Today's message is entitled, Amen. Lord, I agree. Amen. Lord, I agree. And the passage is going to be coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The text says, the title says, Amen. The word Amen, and then it follows meaning, Lord, I agree. We often say Amen. In fact, we say it so often that perhaps we've forgotten what it even actually means. Uh, it's just a routine. It's a regular word that's said in church. We say it for all kinds of reasons. Well, today I want to remind you of its potency and its importance. I love this. The word amen, the word amen, I want to talk about this word amen, amen. Uh, it is an ancient Hebraic term. It is a term of the Hebrew used to connote the following. To say amen is a declaration of affirmation. It is to declare that I am affirming or in agreement with something you have said. But amen is the declaration of that. It is a verbal statement to affirm something. It can also be the closing exclamation, little Ben, of an agreement. So in other words, let's say you have an agreement and the agreement is followed by an exclamation mark, which is amen, to say we are closing this with an Amen. Yes, that's what we're going to do. So we see amen in that capacity. It is this Hebrew term and it in the Hebrew in its original context, it really means uh, to let something be so. So it means truly like verdad. It means Truly, verity, uh, let it be so. This is reliable. You can count on it. Um, it is trustworthy. It is firm. Uh, it's as good as saying it's going to happen. Amen. It's going to happen. Sounds a lot like its cousin, Faith. Uh, we'll talk about that later. In the Old Testament, it is used 30 times. The word is used 30 times in the Old Testament, and it primarily serves as a solemn affirmation by a person or an assembly, a congregation or a church, uh, a group of people at the end of, listen, at the end of an oath. Mm, mm, careful. It could be used at the end of an oath or at the end of a curse. People would use it say a curse, and then you would say amen to the curse. Careful how you say amen. Uh, it's also used as an affirmation in the sense of a blessing, that you're giving a blessing, or it is a declaration, um, an affirmation of a prophecy, or it can also be a doxology. So this term is used, watch this now, the term amen is used in connection with a curse, or an oath. It also has a connotation in the context of blessing and prayer and worship. Uh, it also connects with songs of praise. In other words, amen is just not a blanket across affirmation. You need to know why you're saying amen and when to say it. Now, we know an oath is like a solemn vow. So if you hear someone give an oath and you say, amen, well then you are hailed and bound to that vow. So when married couples come together and say their vows, in essence, they are speaking an oath. And it would be an it would be appropriate for the preacher or for the people the wedding to say amen because the blessing or affirmation often comes 
after an oath. It is used in a sense of accepting a curse or a consequence. Sometimes, listen, God challenges us. He disciplines us. Or there is a consequence that comes with our action. And sometimes we see in scripture where the people of God are asked to say amen, meaning I affirm and agree with your methods of discipline. Ah, come on, PC. That somehow, somewhere in this process of using the term amen, God says, you must learn to say amen even when it's disciplinary. Listen, so then this term, you can use it to agree with your punishment per se, or even use, watch this, in agreeing with your innocence. So watch this now. A man seems to have its footing or place in a jurisdiction, a courtroom of sorts, where there is the deliberation of guilty or innocent. And who is the only judge? We talked about that. That would be God. And so our amens come in agreement with God's curse or blessing or our innocence or our guilt. Well, Jesus died for our sins. We've been declared not guilty. Hence, there should be an amen. Can I get an amen? We're going to be amen all day. So watch this now. Amen also comes as a response to a benediction. At the end of service, you know, we have the benediction and then someone says, Amen. It is also expressed in worship. When we worship the Lord and we sing praises, in other words, the scriptures and the words that we say in songs are affirmations of what was said. And so we say in worship, Amen. This oath or this curse solicits Amen. Worship or praise solicits Amen. But there's also one other aspect that we can say Amen, and that is in the individual agreement in a contract, per se. Let's say that we are talking with someone, a friend, a relative, a neighbor, another believer in Christ, and we agree on something together. Whatever it is you decide to agree on, it is appropriate to follow up that agreement with an Amen. Because the Amen says we are in agreement about what has just been discussed. Ah, you're going to see this in a minute. So watch this now. Just like any contract requires a signature, your signature is in a sense your Amen. <laughs> be careful when people say, people say, be careful what you sign off on because, listen, your sign off obligates you. Wait a minute now. Uh oh, where am I going? Your amen in church obligates you. Now, watch this now. How many times have we come to church and said 15 amens, but when church was over, Monday or even later that evening, we did not abide by what we gave consent to in the church. We agreed in the church that we were going to live for God. We agreed that we were going to pray. We agreed that we were going to study. But yet all week long, I've been too busy. I can't got, can't got time. You know, you, you broke. Ah, that's all right. Be careful there. Be careful there. That's the Old Testament. Let me talk to you about the New Testament. Because it changes slightly. In the New Testament, by this time, amen was well established in the liturgy, litur liturgy of the Jews. It was something, a word, as I said, it came from the Hebrews, the Hebrew culture, that this word was used among the Jews. It went through a period of understanding and trying to find out how it was used. We said it was used in the Old Testament 30 times, but in the New Testament, it was used 129 times more than half in the Gospels, and 99 of those 129 were spoken by Jesus. 
So out of the 129, more than half of those were spoken in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then 99 of those were spoken by Jesus. What is Jesus's affinity with this word, amen? Come on, Tabitha. Jesus used it to acknowledge joy, his truth, and authority of his teachings. Watch this now. So to utilize the word amen, it was in such a stamp of approval. In other words, it was true. Remember we said to agree means it is as done. It is as so. It is fully validated. It is firm. You can count on it. You can rely on it. So Jesus, who was the rock of all creation, establishes his truth as the amen of all things. So it means truly I say to you. Jesus said it often in the gospel, truly I say to you, or verily, verily I say to you. In other words, I'm using this to say that what I am, who I am, and what I'm saying is authentically true, you can trust it. 49 times in the synoptic gospels, the synoptic meaning they're kind of connected, that's a Matthew, Mark, Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke. He says, then 49 times in the synoptic gospels, but 50 times in John's gospel alone. And in John, the word is doubled. It is a man, a man wants to confirm it and second, to invoke its fulfillment. So when we say amen, sometimes we say amen and we say amen again. Once is to confirm it. Okay, heard you. The second one is amen, let it be so. Bring it to fulfillment. So sometimes we see that Jesus began his statements with amen. As opposed to at the end, watch this now, it gets, fun gets funky here, because we see a man as coming at the end of a declaration or an agreement. <laughs> but Jesus often would start his statement with a man because, watch this now, he started with it as opposed to the end, perhaps to mean he is the truth. In other words, I'm starting with the truth. I am beginning with an amen that anything that comes after my amen, you can count on it. In other words, he's saying, watch this, he's saying, I don't need to say amen afterward because I don't really need your agreement. In other words, when I say amen at the beginning, it's already done. I'm not asking you to agree with me because I am the truth. John 14 said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So in other words, I don't really need you to agree with me because I am the truth. But agreement then, we will learn, Shana. Check this out. We will learn this, Tia, that agreement has a lot to do with us. It has to do with people who fall short of what truth is. People who make mistakes, people who have lifestyles of sin often cannot be trusted. Do you get what I'm saying? Things that are unreliable, people you can't trust, people who make mistakes, we need a life of amen. We need an agreement. We need to be able to come after what has been said or done and say we agree or not. So today's Western understanding is something we basically know the word amen to mostly just mean we agree. So as I say in the title, amen, Lord, I agree. Watch this now. When everyone, listen to this. I like this commentator who wrote this uh, in the Lexham Bible Dictionary. He says, when everyone speaks the words of a prayer or blessing, no affirmatory amen is needed. I like that. In other words, when everyone speaks the words of a prayer blessing, if we all say the blessing together, then there's no affirmatory amen needed. Why? Because we all spoke it. Mm, come on. Wow. However, he says, when an individual speaker offers a prayer or a blessing where you aren't praying, then listeners can respond with amen, but 
only if they fully agree with the speaker's words and are certain that the speaker has not said anything unacceptable. I like that. Are you getting this? So listen, in terms of the clergy or ecclesiastical perspective, if we know the prayer in advance, if we've read the prayer and we speak the prayer together in church, there's no reason for anybody to say amen. Why? Because by our reading it, we therefore have already consented to agree to it collectively in the church. So when we all read the prayer together, we don't need to say Amen. But if a preacher comes up, a deacon or a passerbyer gets up and says, let me pray for you. Then while the person is praying, I am listening to what they are saying because I have to determine when they are done, do I agree? Now, listen to what I'm saying, that amen has this powerful connection to establishing consent or an agreement or depending on how severe the agreement, it turns into an oath or a sense of a curse or a punishment. In other words, by what you determine, by what you say amen to, there are actions that come following it. So be careful how you say amen and what you say amen to because there is an obligation that comes with, listen, so don't be sitting in church flicking on your phone and then somebody saying something that ain't right and you say, man, you're not paying attention. You need to come to church and be dialed in. That's why I tell people, tell a family I'm in worship right now. I need to make sure because something might be said that might be the breakthrough for my family. And I think it's different. It's different when you say amen to something you understand and something you agree about, I think God does it bigger and better. But when you just say amen to something you don't understand, then why would you look for something big from something you don't even get? Never mind, that's all right. PC, I'm talking to myself. And then you gotta, you have to understand then, though, that if God gives us this opportunity in church, God says, I gave this pastor something. I talked to him all week. There's not a time where really nowadays, at minimum, any sermon I do is three to five hours, period, at minimum. I'm telling you, God gives me things to comprehend it, to deliver it in a way so that when you say amen, it's critical ah, to your development. Somebody ought to say amen. If you don't agree with it, then don't say amen. This is why we say all who agree with this prayer, did I, I said it earlier, and all who agree with this prayer say amen, and then we say say amen again, because I'm trying to make sure you know what you're saying amen to. It's double affirming. But agreement, watch this now, watch this now, Aunt Cassandra, agreement is only needed where there is conflict between two things, two worlds, or two people. Now, agreement isn't needed with God because there is never any conflict. But where we live on earth and when we live with people in the body of Christ or in the world, there's often disagreements. So an amen, living a life of a man is needed in the context of conflict, uncertainty, or potential misunderstanding disappointment or disagreement. So now, wait a minute. Now, PC, you're talking about my amen can apply to my disagreements? <laughs> that I need to learn the tool and the mastery of the usage of amen when I'm having a conflict with my coworker? Are you telling me that I can use the word amen to bring about agreement in a situation that has gone awry because of other words, <laughs> four-letter words, not amen? Come on, somebody, that's all right. The key question to ask today is, here's what I want you to see, Tony. Here's what I want you to ask. Is there any benefit 
to simply agreeing? Is there any benefit to simply saying yes? When everything in you wants to say no, is there any benefit to saying amen to God even when everything in you wants to say? Is there a benefit to every time I say amen in church or in my life? Is there something valuable or unique about my Amen. I know Ben likes to say these all over all my tapes, all over, all over my. Amen, 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 amen. He can say amen, 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 amen. I tell you, Ben is all over there. But listen, after all, agreeing means to have the same opinion. Talk to me. Watch this now. Watch this, uh, 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 Sharon. Listen. After all, agreeing means to have the same opinion. It means to con. It means to be on the same page. So when I say man, it's a masterful way God says I can put you on the same page with the person you're in conflict with. Ooh, Jesus. It is consenting to commit to the wishes of another. It's like when I say amen and we say, Lord, I agree. What we're saying is I'm consenting to your wishes, God. It is the way to reach the same terms. It is the compliments uh, as in fitting, appropriate. It is the natural relation of things. It is to compliment something that fits you well. The lifestyle of the amen fits you. In other words, it brings the suit tighter. It is the pin behind the dress that makes it fit you. When you start living in the amen, you start finding natural relation. Ah, never mind. It might be too deep, Shana. We might have to do this another time. But I must warn you. I must warn you, Grandma Katie, of this one thing, Latlaw, before I go further. Here's what you need to know. Lip service versus heart service. I need to make a distinction between agreeing with your lips and agreeing with your your heart. Is there anybody who knows what I'm talking about? By that I mean you say one thing, <laughs> but you do another. This is a classic example of lip service versus heart service, where you say to somebody, I love you, or you say to them, I agree with you, but you really don't. You go back behind them, you talk about them behind their back. In other words, you're a man didn't really mean what you said. And oftentimes, here's why I want you to get joy, that we say amen more than we really think, because even though we don't use the term amen, our actions or words of agreement really mean the same thing. So what I want you to understand is that it is not God's will or desire for us to be duality Christians, where we say one thing and duality do another. What we want is a full yes in the heart and a full yes from the lips. We want a yes in action and we want a yes in words. The truth is, we often change our minds, Tia. Come on, see why? We often change our minds. And what was yes, don't lose me now, what was yes at one point ends up being a no at another point because somewhere we changed our mind. Uh, watch this now. Isn't it true that sometimes we got a yes from the job? The job said yes, but later on in the week, we get an email and the HR says, we know we approved your week off, but we have to change it. The bank may have said, we're going to give you the loan, but then they change it. Our parents said we could go to the party, but then they changed it. Our spouse said they were going to do this, but then they changed it. And a yes becomes no. Oh, wait a minute. So remember, a man really works on the solidity, the firmness of your answer. In other words,
other words, the potency of the amen is that it doesn't change. Oh, so we want to be people. When we say amen, we still have this solid rock, even amidst things that change around us. I'm going to explain it in a moment. And when things don't go as planned, don't we struggle with saying amen? I'm going to say it to you over here. When things don't go, in other words, when the bank said yes, but now turns to no, we have trouble agreeing with that. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when people say one thing, but then it changes later. We struggle with saying amen. And by saying amen, we're saying, I'm agreeing with your change. We don't like people to change their mind. You said you were going to pick me up at two, but then you changed it to four. That's hard for me to say amen. So that's what I want to talk to you today, Cynthia, about. It's learning how to say amen even when things don't go as planned. I'm going to teach you how to say amen. Lord, I agree, even though God changed things up. We're going to learn how God has our yes when the world all around us is saying no. We're going to learn how to stick to God's yes, even when things change from yes to no. Our amen says, Lord, I agree. I agree with what you're doing, even when your change, when you change my plans, my response is still amen. Is anybody getting this? Has anybody ever lived where what you thought was going to happen didn't, and you find yourself mad at God because you see it as God's fault? He changed things up. There will be many changes in life, many conversations that don't line up the way we'd like. But today we'll learn that the best response to change is still amen. Lord, I agree. Have your way, God. It's all about you and it's not about me. Here's an amazing passage to help us see this truth more clearly. Turn with me back to 2 Corinthians, but this time to chapter 1, verses 15 through 20. The text says this. In verse 15, it says, In this confidence, this is Paul talking to the people at Corinth. He says, In this confidence, I intended at first to come to you so that you might twice receive a blessing. That is to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia to come to you and by you to be helped uh, on my journey to Judea. Therefore, I was not vacillating. Here it is, the change. He said he was going there. I'm coming twice, but something changed. And so now the people are saying, you're vacillating. He says, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this. Was I? Or what I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh? So that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no at the same time? In other words, does God plan with vacillation? Does God make purpose for us? From his flesh? Oh, come on. 18 says, but as God is faithful, our word to you is not yes and no. Come on, talk. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me and Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but is what? Yes, in him. The word is yes. Verse 20, for as many as are the promises of God, in him they are yes. Therefore, also through him is our amen to the glory of God through us. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Let me talk to you here. Paul was being called flippant. Here he is. Remember, we're going back to 2 Corinthians. We already talked about him last a week or two ago about how they were getting on him about not being uh, who he was. So Paul was called flippant. 
They said you wishy-washy. You can't you can't make up your mind. And it's talking about how sometimes we feel like God seems to be changing things or allowing things to change that it's making us feel like there's no solidified or 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 stability to God. And he says, "Listen, uh, uh they were saying you can't make up your mind, Paul." And so the the problem is if that's true of Paul, then we can't trust his letters to us. We can't trust what he's teaching us about God. In, in other words, if Paul can't make up his mind, if he keeps switching left and right, then we can't trust what he's teaching. And so the concept is the reason this is important because we don't want to think that God can't be trusted. Now I'm preaching. We want to be able to say, amen, Lord, I agree to a God who we know is stable. God help me. So this letter responds to remind them of what and who they can trust. They were too busy looking at Paul when they should have been looking at God because our amen must always be to God. Lord, I agree with you. Even because people will change their mind. People will say one thing and do another. And you will get caught up looking at people and you will throw that on God and that is not God. So Paul is saying, let me make this clear to you about me and the difference with God. So Paul is going to help us get to saying amen even when things change suddenly and unexpectedly. You're going to learn how to say amen. Amen, Lord, I agree. Even when something changes and I didn't even expect it to. So look at our first point. Here's our first point. Jiminy Cricket got to move fast. Number one, change plans aren't the problem. Our responses to the change plans are. In other words, plans are meant to be changed. Plans are going to be changed. And it's not God's fault because the plan changes. It's our responses to the changes of the plans is that makes the problem. So watch this. Look at verse 15 through 17. The text says, in this confidence I intended. Come on, y'all. Paul is saying, I was confident to come to you in the first place so that you might twice receive a blessing. I was coming twice, y'all. He says in 16, that is to pass your way into Macedonia and again from Macedonia come to you and by you to be helped on my journey to Judea. That was in the plan. That was the plan, y'all. He says, therefore, I was not vacillating when I intended to do this. Oh, watch this. When we think about God's promises and we think about his plans, we've got to go back to intention. Intention. What's your intention? Oh my God. You can forego anger from a change plan if you know the intention was right. Ain't nobody going to say amen. He says in 17, or what I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh so that with me there will be yes, yes, and no, no, at the same time, watch this now, at the same time is key. Changing plans is not the problem, lat law. It's how we respond to the change plan. I already mapped that out for you. We said when the plans change in a way that we don't agree, it's hard for you to say amen. I'm going to teach you how to say amen, Lord, I agree, even when the plans change and we didn't expect them. Now, that's all right. Paul had every intention of getting to see them twice. But the plans change. And often we think when God changes something, Tabitha, Tabitha, that he is mad with us. We automatically assume that he is punishing us. Or not just God, not just God changing. We think when things no longer line up the way we want them to, we assume that the change is the problem. We say, watch this, we say, uh, well, if you hadn't changed it in the first place, we wouldn't be having this discussion, right? Remember, that's how you blame people because of the change, but the change may be necessary. Your response to it may not be necessary. Or how about this? We say to a boss who changed our schedule, instead of saying amen to the change schedule, we say other things to the boss because we're mad that the boss changed our schedule. Why? Because the schedule was working. I'm going to teach somebody believers how to say amen Lord I agree even when the boss changed the schedule and I don't agree with it hallelujah
Hallelujah, I feel him now. <laughs> Even Martha and Mary had the audacity to say to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. In other words, his living condition wouldn't have changed if you would have... Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? <laughs> the plans had changed and they were blaming Jesus. But change is not the fault of God. Hallelujah. It is not the plan of changing that's the problem. It's how we respond to it. And here's why. Because verse 17 said, they were saying, he was saying yay and yay and nay and nay and that he couldn't be trusted. And so when you see God as not being able to be trusted, it's hard to say amen. I'm going to talk here. But Paul's response, watch Paul's response. Paul's response is that basically if you know me, you would know that if I changed anything, it would be for your benefit. If you read later on in the chapter, don't have time to go into it. Paul didn't want to come to them. He changed it because he didn't want to come to them in grief. He wanted to come at a time of celebration and joy. So he changed it because something was happening in a period of grief. He didn't want to bring that negativity or that darkness on them. He changed it says, I'll come again down in the joy time. So instead of accusing him of being flippant, what they should have responded with is a simple amen. They should have said, I know you, Paul. We know you. You've been here before, bruh. We know who you are, and if you change your plan, we should trust your intentions. If we are honest, joy, change is good. Come on, Black History Month. <laughs> but we only see it that way when the change fits our desires. That's all right. You ain't going to say amen. We only see change is good when it only fits our desires. But what about when change happens and it doesn't fit our desires? Is there anybody who can still say amen? Lord, I agree. I'm preaching now. <laughs> we have to learn how to say amen even when God changes things up. And we don't necessarily like it. Yeah, I'm saying we don't necessarily like what God is doing for us. The Israelites who were supposed to go to the promised land had to cross through the wilderness, which was really a three-day, a four-day journey. But God changed it into a 40-year journey. <laughs> and the Israelites had to learn how to say amen when four days turned to four. You ain't gonna say amen. It's hard to say amen. I know you can't even say amen. Watch this now. So we must learn even when we don't like it to say amen. You may not like it, but God says you're better off for it. He said if you learn to say amen when changes occur, he says you're better off for it. And this, my dearly beloved, is what we call maturity. Children don't like change. Children don't like when you, their emotions kick up. They are frivolous. They all have all kinds of opinions and offsets. But God says the mature believer learns how to weather the storm. Whether it's $5 or $5,000, God will provide. That's called maturity. So even when we plan things, we did our research. Come on now, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you erudite people, little Ben, people who do your planning, you do your Google research, you've checked Yelp, you've read all the reviews, even when you do your due diligence, I'm going to plan my trip to go to Vegas, you're locked in, but something changed along the way. The highway had a detour. The room you booked has been double booked. you got to move down. To, in other words, the change, the plan changed, not because you were vacillating, not because you were careless, not because you were being wicked and evil, but because life just happens. So when you see things change in your life, don't be 
be so quick, boo, to blame God for the change. The onus is on you to respond properly to the change. Now, if we have to stay at another hotel, Joy, instead of our favorite hotel, we can sit in the car and we can get an attitude and be mad and be ugly, or we can look up to heaven and say, Lord, I agree. In other words, God may have something better for us at the other hotel. Can I tell somebody, stop crying over what you lost. Stop crying that he quit you. Stop crying that the job fired you. Just say, Lord, amen, I agree. Because sometimes blessings are on the other side of rejection. I'm talking to somebody. And so Paul says, I was not vacillating. Change doesn't mean somebody's out to get you. It just means that something changed. And so Paul asked them in verse 17, he said, did I vacillate? Did I go wickedly? He says, no, because in verse 15, he said, I determined to come to you. I was confident. I was locked in. I wasn't like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. And often when God allows the yes to happen, it is well intended. What God meant for you was good. And so you went, why am I going through all this stuff? Go back to his intention. What God intended for God, I feel him. What God intended for you is good. Change happened, but it didn't change God's intention. God, I feel him. God doesn't change his mind. God says, I am the Lord and I change not. God doesn't change, but things change. So not only did Paul ask, was he vacillating? He says, did I purpose this out of my flesh? In other words, am I being mean to you? Am I being carnal? Plans change and you should be aware of that. So your response should just simply be, amen. Lord, I agree. See you when you get here, Paul. You said you was coming twice, but we'll take the one. Every plan change is not sent from the devil. Here's why we can say amen even when we don't like it. Check this out. Point number two. Point number two, God's word to us will never be yes and no. Say that with me. God's word to us will never be yes and no. God's word to us will never be. Now watch this. It means he may say yes for one thing and no for another, but he will never say yes and no for the same thing. Oh, I got to talk about that. God may say yes for one thing and no for another, but he will never say yes and no for the same thing. So here's what I'm saying. If God said yes on something, it ain't going to change to a no. Things may change, but you still got your... Never Look, Joy, what, what's he, put fire on this. Put fire on Listen, what is happening on this? Come on, listen. Wait, let's look at the verse. 18, look here. He says, but as God is faithful... Our word to you is not yes and no. It's not yes and no. Why? Because the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who was preached among you by us, Evangelist Timothy, was not yes and no. But Jesus is preached as yes in him. Are you tracking with that? So God's word to us will never be yes and no at the same time. So have you ever responded to somebody and they say, well, so somebody's, you're in a meeting and then somebody says, somebody says, well, what, 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 what was the determination? What was the, what's your answer? I said, well, and you say, well, Yes and no. And they, they look at you like, what, what do you mean? Yes and no. It, it's either yes or it's no. Have you ever said that? Well, yes and no. Well, yes and no. It, 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 it just reeks of instability. God can't be sitting up there in heaven looking at your life talking about, well, yes and no. No. God is either yes on this or he's no on that. And they look at you. People look at you as confused as if to say, what do you mean? So God gives one answer. Oh, God is a one answer God. I like that. Anybody ever told you that? That's new. I feel that in my spirit. God is a one answer God. Even to is to his children. And that answer is always yes. God's answer to his children is yes. In other words, whatever he purposes 
purposes for you. Whatever he planned for you. I'm trying to correlate this to scripture. Whatever Paul planned to come to them to do, the answer was yes, I'm coming. In other words, whatever he purposed to do, the answer is yes. Whatever God has planned or purposed for your life, just as Paul supposed in Corinthians, he says it is yes. The answer for it happening and coming to pass is yes. My kids, my kids used to ask me over and over in the back of the car, Daddy, are you going to get me a bike for Christmas? Are you going, uh, Daddy, are you going to get, are you going to take me to the birthday party? And I would turn around in that car, ooh, with everything in me. I would say, Cherry, my answer an hour ago was yes. My answer now is still yes. My answer the next time you answer, it ask me is still going to be yes. So what's the point? Stop asking. God may have made a promise to you 10 years ago, Tia. And if he promised it to you 10 years ago, the answer is still yes. Your answer to the delay should be amen. Lord, I agree. It's late. It's delayed. But it's still yes. When we respond negatively to a plan change, what we are assuming is that the yes and no of a situation applies to the same thing. When we struggle with agreement, it means we haven't made amends of a yes and a no. It means we're uncertain with what our spouse has promised. When we don't agree, it means we're not all in. It means that the yes and the no of a thing has not meshed out. Feel him good. When you can't agree with something, it means the dust hasn't settled. And Paul is saying you can't say no and yes to the same thing. He says instead, let your yes be yes to one thing on your no be no to another thing because when we apply yes and no to the same thing, our response will never be amen. When we cannot agree to love somebody, you will always vacillate between the yes and the no of the same thing. And I guarantee you it'll be hard for agreement to be in that house. <laughs> Woo! So when you can't get an agreement with a yes and a no of a situation, that thing causes tremendous confusion and dis-ease. Disease. It causes dis I'm uneasy when I can't agree. I'm uneasy when things aren't going the way I understand. I'm uneasy when God turned something around and I thought it was going to work one way. My worst times in life is when I don't know where I'm going. I struggle the most when I don't have the answer. But the Bible says the just live by faith. And so Paul says in verse 19, when Jesus was preached, he says, it wasn't, can I get saved? Somebody come to Jesus and say, well, can I get saved? And he said, well, yes and no. What if you came to Jesus and said, Lord, I want to get saved? And he said, well, yes and no. Okay, I'm going to save you on Monday, but not Tuesday. Maybe on Thursday you save. You have to catch me in heaven and see, are you saved? What about at the point you die? Was I saved or was I not saved? What if God vacillated between a yes and no. No! On salvation the answer is yes. In other words, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, yes. In other words, Jesus was preached with an unequivocal yes to whoever called on his name. The yeses of our lives are found in Christ Jesus. If Jesus' gospel couldn't be trusted then no one would believe. And Paul is setting the record straight and said the thing and the person you need to be trusting in he don't validate vacillate he's not a yes no man on the same thing when God says yes you can count on it when God says no you can count on it and that's 
the real reason Paul is preaching to clear this up. It wasn't his reputation. Paul could care less about what he they were saying about him. It was that he didn't want to lose his impact of his preaching. And I came to tell somebody when you don't live understanding your amen, people don't trust what you say. When you're a flaky Jake, a flaky Christian who comes to church whenever, somehow, by and by, Easter and Christmas only, you cannot be trusted, but you call yourself a Christian. In other words, your yes and your no has not merged together. You're still in question, are you all in? Do I want to still party whore around, or do I want to be holy for God? You're still in question. Oh yeah, yes and no. I'm a Christian, eh? yes and no. Can I get any yeses out there? Because the world is vacillating because they can't understand. Are you for God? Are you against him? And when we can show those around us that we are reliable and trustworthy people, they too will begin to see our words and our life as more credible. So finally, little Ben, as I wrap this up, here's my final point. If all his promises to me are yes, then all my responses to him are amen. Say that again. If all his responses to me are yes, then all my responses to him are amen. Look at verse 20. He says, for as many as are the promises of God, for however many promises God made to me, in him they are yes. Therefore, somebody say therefore. Therefore also through him is our amen. Do you get it? If the promises are yes, then therefore my response will be amen. What? To the glory of God through us. So remember when we say amen, we are saying, Lord, I agree. Put the picture on the screen again. You see the little boy? <laughs> amen. Lord, I agree. So when we say, Lord, I agree, we're saying thumbs up. We're saying thumbs up. We're saying, yes, God, I'm lining up. So at verse 20, he says, all the promises God has made are yes in him. They are all yes. Therefore, in that same yes, out of that same yes, from that same God comes our amen. And amen is that lining up with his yes and his will. Remember that old song, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I will obey. That's what amen says. Lord, I'll agree. Even when you change it up on me. Even when you switch it up on me. Even when they promised me 70000 a year but it went down to 63 with a bonus. I don't care how you change it up. If this is where you want me to be. Amen. Lord, I agree. Amen is saying yes when we don't get it. Amen is saying yes when we don't like it. Amen is saying I put God's will and his word above my feelings and I agree with what he has ordered for my life at this moment. Amen says I know God isn't saying yes today and no tomorrow. I must believe that the yes of yesterday is still the yes of today. Even if I see change, it's just a change. It's not a no. It's still a yes, but maybe it's going to be achieved in a different way but the yes hasn't changed and lastly at the end of 20 it says an amen through us gives glory to God so when we say amen we're making God look good when we're saying amen we're saying look what God has done when we're saying amen we're saying whatever God is doing in my life is good glory means to have a good opinion concerning one that results in praise and honor People who say amen, Lord, I'd agree, can go on with their business. 
they can go on happy and praise the Lord because they're not trying to resolve unresolvable issues. I'm preaching you don't even know it. The result of a life of giving God glorious praise. And that's when you give him praise. What happens? Somebody says, amen. When God gets the glory, somebody says, amen. My amen shows up in worship. How dare you come to worship and you can't say amen. Do you not agree with the king of kings and the lord of lords? So many songs are written with amen in it. And so our lives should be as well. We ought to wake up in the morning. I woke up. Lord, I agree. Amen. We ought to eat food and say, Lord, I agree. Amen. And so I conclude with this thought. Here's my conclusion. I'm rounding the runway. I'm coming down. Level out the flaps. Get the flaps together. Lower the landing gear. Here's the rub. Here's the rub, Tia. Here's the rub, Shana. We often make plans, but God overrules them. Have you ever made a plan that God said, I'm changing? And we have to learn how to agree with God even when he changes our plans. I thought I was going to be a millionaire at 30. Instead, I was divorced and getting kicked out of graduate school. And we have to learn how to say amen and agree with God even when plans change. And we must learn that just because the plans change doesn't mean that God won't accomplish his will in our lives. Court date after court date, arguing in every petition and declaration on behalf of fighting for custody of my children in a wicked and vicious divorce. I looked at God and I said, I'm supposed to be your preacher. I never thought I'd have to sleep at night not knowing where my children were. God, you supposed to have my back. I went in court claiming it and naming it, preached and sung songs all the way to the courthouse, and the judge didn't rule in my favor. But I had to learn how to say man. Lord, I agree. Even when I had to go to bed at night without my children in my house, he changes not. But our plans change often, and it is our daily practice of amen that keeps us in agreement with God. We can trust him to perform every promise he makes. I say to you today, even when we make promises, even when we don't keep our promises, God still comes to us and says, I still will get the job done through you. God dog it. He still says yes, even when we make stupid decisions. So is there any benefit, Tony, to saying amen? Is there any benefit to simply agreeing? Is there any benefit to saying yes when everything wants to say no? I came to tell you in a very clandestine way. The answer is emphatically yes. <laughs> what does amen do for me? Amen gives me peace <laughs> in the midst of conflict. Amen brings me peace because of trust in a God who won't change. Amen restores my harmony when stuff is falling off, when people change and money dries up and things I anticipated to happen didn't happen. Agreement of the amen restores my balance. Amen. Lord, I agree. Establishes the bridge on which love can travel. Every time I say amen to an arguing person, to a negative situation, I am laying down a bridge for love to travel on. I'm making a pathway for God to bring love in the midst of hell. When I agree, <laughs> God dog it, I'm bringing love by the thorough 
warfare of the travel of grace and mercy. And then when I say amen, Lord, I agree. It makes room for a smile. <laughs> it makes room. Look at the boy smile. Put his face on the screen. When I say amen, I just smile. Look and put it back. I smile because I know I've got hope and a future. When you say amen, it doesn't stop your growth and progress. You can sit there and argue. You can sit there and figure it out. You can sit there and be mad all you want to. You can live your life never forgiving them, but that lack of forgiveness is going to kill you like cancer. Or you can say, amen. Lord, I agree and keep on moving. Somebody ought to keep on moving. Joy, keep on moving. When you say amen, it doesn't stop your progress. So the more you agree, the more you demonstrate your faith in God and faith pleases God. So the more you agree and the more you get along with people, the more you get along with God, the more God can accomplish in your life. So if a man, little Ben, is really about the steadfastness and the certainty of God, isn't that faith? Isn't that what faith is? And so faith is a lot like a man. But the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Isn't that like saying, without an amen, it's impossible to please God? Because the truth is, you cannot please God without agreeing him, with him. No one can serve God in contra to him and expect to please him. So your life that lacks a man is a life that radiates and exudes a truth of disagreement. That you are not in line with God's will for your life. You have to learn how to accept the things that change and know that God hasn't changed, but the circumstance has. So today I'm going to have a greater understanding and a commitment to when I say, Amen. Lord, I agree. I'm PC, and that's all I got.